Tonight's weather in Sacramento, cloudy with a very high chance of raining three-pointers. Now you know why I don't do weather for ABC 10, but the Sacramento Kings rained down 25 made threes in their 131-118 to victory over the Brooklyn Nets inside the Golden 1 Center. And I'm going to share with you a key to Sacramento's offense that I haven't heard anybody, myself included, talk enough about. It's all right here for you on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Head to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for our first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and anchor for ABC 10 News. No, I do not do weather for ABC 10 News, as you can very clearly tell, but I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying it was raining three-pointers tonight inside the Golden 1 Center. The Kings beginning a stretch here at home where they're playing seven of their next eight games, including tonight here inside the G1C. Coming into the season, we talk so much about how Sacramento needs to establish themselves on their home floor, how they were better on the road than they were at home last season, and if they want to get from good to great, like Mike Brown talks so much about, winning at home is going to be instrumental to that success. Well, here we are, the Sacramento Kings starting this home stretch off with a victory. Their one road game is coming tomorrow against the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll get to that later on in the show. 25 made three-pointers for the Sacramento Kings tonight. That is a franchise record. They shot 25 of 45 from three-point range. That is 55 and what's funny is this was kind of like a, for, for the Kings offense from what we've seen so far this season, this was almost like an opposite night for them because so much of the, uh, this year we've seen the Kings be a little over-reliant on the three-point shot when it's not falling, when they, they needed to establish themselves in the paint or establish themselves in the, in the mid-range more because that shot was falling at, at a higher percentage. They were getting better looks when they were getting to the rim and getting into the paint. Well, tonight, they weren't getting into the paint as much as they would like to. They weren't getting as good of a lo uh, looks or certainly shooting as good of a percentage in the paint and inside the three-point arc as they wanted to. But from the perimeter, they were taking what the Nets, Nets defense was giving them, and the Nets are one of the worst teams in the league in allowing three-pointers. Sacramento was taking full advantage of that, and everybody was getting involved in the party. We're going to run through just the list of Kings that, that hit three-pointers and the amount of numbers that so many different Kings players uh, uh, put up. But I didn't think... Think that Sacramento was necessarily settling too much for threes. I had some people reach out to me uh, during halftime, a number of you on social media saying, Matt, even though the Kings are shooting great from three-point range, and I believe they were like 11 of 20 or something like that, they were shooting over 50% from three-point range in the first half, already had 11 three-pointers at the halftime break. And many of you thought that 
Sacramento's lead should have been bigger with them shooting that well, and it was because they were struggling with scoring around the rim. They were struggling to establish themselves in the mid-range game. They were struggling to, uh, to, to even get to the foul line. And you have a point, right? Sacramento need, wants to be on all three levels more effective, not just reliant on one style of offense. But the three-point shooting was so good and the spacing was so good for Sacramento tonight that at least for now they could, or, or at least for this evening, they could get away with it. Right, and I didn't feel like Sacramento was lazily just putting up threes the same way we've seen at times them do so when nothing was going right or they didn't have the energy to break down a defense on the inside. I think the Kings were letting it fly from three-point range tonight because, again, those were the best looks that the defense was giving them, number one. And number two is everybody was getting involved in the party. Now, the Kings did not score well in the paint. Only 32 points in the paint for Sacramento, which is one of their lowest totals so far this season. And it's not just that they didn't score in the paint. They shot terribly in the paint. 16 of 41, that's 39%. So it's incredible to me that we can say the Kings scored 131 points, that the Kings won by double digits against a team in the Brooklyn Nets who was playing very well coming into this game. The Nets had won six of their last seven games heading into tonight, and they're a really good three-point shooting team themselves. They shot over 50% uh, from the perimeter, too. But for Sacramento to put up 131 points, for their offense to look this prolific, for them to have such a successful and amazing offensive night with how much they were struggling in the paint, there's two ways to look at it. Number one, there's the glass half-full way of imagine if they were scoring just as well in the paint as they were from the perimeter. I don't know. I mean, that's as close as you can get to uh, like a perfect game, right? Sacramento would have been in like the, the 150 range, which we've seen this team do before when they played the Los Angeles Clippers in uh, L.A. last season. So we've seen that side of Sacramento. The glass half-empty version is like, man, the Kings struggling on the inside. They're not going to be able to rely on their shooting more often than not, like they were able to tonight. Tonight was fun, right? But they this can't be the recipe for how they expect to be uh, a successful team, especially when they when they make it to the playoffs. And Kings head coach Mike Brown actually talked about that a little bit in his post-game press conference, that uh, defensively he wants this team to be more established and be better because when they're hitting threes, of course it's fun, and we know how prolific this Kings offense can be. But when they're not hitting their shots... If they're struggling from both the perimeter and the paint like they were tonight, defense is going to have to carry them through. And the best teams, typically the teams that are NBA champions, I know the Denver Nuggets last year were, were a little bit of an ex exception to the rule, but typically NBA championship teams are, are around that top 10 in defense. So Mike was kind of feeling the same thing, but at least for tonight, Sacramento could ride their hot shooting from the perimeter to victory, and everybody was getting involved. De'Aaron Fox led the Kings in three-point makes. That's so much fun to say. He had five made threes. Trey Lyles, I guess tied with him, so Fox and Trey split the leadership. Trey Lyles also had five made threes. Keegan Murray, four made threes, went a perfect four of four from the perimeter. Malik Monk, four made threes. Harrison Barnes, three made threes. Kevin Herter, two made threes on an overall off and quiet night for him, and then DeMontis Sabonis and Keon Ellis both uh, with a three themselves. And that kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about with the Sacramento Kings. We know their ball movement, when they're on, their ball movement is, is 
maybe second to none in the league, right? They they are not afraid to share the ball. Uh, they they lead the league or around the top of the league in, in total passes. Like the Kings like to move the ball around. Mike Brown calls it spring, right? Get to the paint, get those paint touches, uh, paint touches, and spray it out to the perimeter. Work it around the horn for the best possible shot you can get. Sometimes the Kings pass the ball a little too much. They'll try and pass up a, a good shot to get a great shot when they should have just taken the good shot to begin with. Tonight they were not afraid to let the good shot fly, and it was working out for them. But when we think about sharing and ball movement, we think of assists and we think of the guy who passed up the look to, to, to set up his teammate. But I think a, another element of sharing that's so essential, a key to Sacramento's offense, is sharing shot attempts. I mean, think about that for a minute. Like, there's only one ball. And even in the modern NBA where scoring is at a premium, right, there still are so many shots to go around. And this Kings roster, we know, is loaded with offensive talent, right? When, when you're talking about the, 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 the breakdown, the, the shooting breakdown tonight, like, it doesn't surprise you that De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are the guys that take the most shots for the Kings. That's the way it should be on a, on a relatively regular basis. De'Aaron Fox took 22 shots tonight. DeMontis Sabonis took 14. Keegan Murray and Malik Monk both tallied 13 shots. Now remember, so many different Kings, not just those four, were having good offensive nights. Harrison Barnes, with 14 total points, only took seven shots. Trey Lyles, with 17 points off the bench, which I believe is his best uh, number so far this season, only seven shots. Kevin Herter, I know he didn't have the best night, but he only took six shots. Now, Tomorrow night, or nights in the past, we've seen Kevin Herter be in 13, 14 shots per game, and Keegan Murray's down in the single digits. We saw uh, in the, the season opener against the Utah Jazz, Harrison Barnes in double digits in, in shot attempts, and maybe De'Aaron's were down. But it's essential to have a team, a group, that is willing to sacrifice their shot attempts on certain nights to get the others going. Like it, It's great if you have all these weapons. It's great if you have all this offensive talent. But if they're all selfish and if they're all out for themselves, you're you're not a team, right? You're just a, a pickup group of a bunch of talented individuals who are never really going to succeed, right? So Kevin Herter has to be willing to have a night like tonight where he's like, you know what? I just don't have it. Keegan's playing well. Keegan's going to get those looks. Malik Monk, he's capable of putting up 15 to 20 shots a night if he wants to. But he's had those nights where he's only at 7, 8, or 9. Hell, DeMondis Sabonis has had those nights where he's in single digits. Like, it is essential for the success of the Sacramento Kings to have guys who are willing, and on top of that, who encourage their teammates to take some of their shots, who are willing to take a step back themselves and give the opportunity, give the minutes, give the attempts to another guy who might be thriving on that given night. It's an unselfishness that we sh we can't take for granted, and we're seeing it with the Sacramento Kings team. To give you an example, De'Aaron Fox's shot attempts this season are up from 18 to 22. No surprise there, right? De'Aaron Fox is playing at an MVP level. He's top five in the league in scoring, averaging 30 points a game, finished with 29 tonight. Demonis Sabonis, slight increase in his attempts from 11 to 12. Malik Monk, slight increase in his attempts as well from uh, 10 to 11. Keegan Murray, decent increase in his attempts, which we expected in his second year going from 9 to 12. Well, Kevin Herter, 
who was the third best scorer on the Sacramento Kings last season and a kingpin in Sacramento's offense, his attempts are down from 11 to 10. Harrison Barnes, we expected this with him him kind of adapting into this uh, like fifth option in the starting lineup role. His attempts are down from nine to eight. Two of your starters, one who was extremely important just last season, who was letting it fly from three-point range and had the ultimate green light just last season, taking a step back on his averages to allow Fox and Keegan and Sabonis and Murray, I'm sorry, and, and Monk to increase their three-point attempts. I think that's incredibly important. So I asked Malik Monk, Keegan Murray, and Mike Brown about it post-game, and here's what they had to say about it. Malik, building off of the assists, I know there's only so many shots to go around, but when you have so many guys that are okay with taking single-digit shots, if it means winning, just I guess how unique is that and how important is that to success? Oh, yeah, man, I think that's the biggest key um, because it's not going to be your night every night, um, and we know that, and that's just that just shows um, tonight. Um, Kev had six shot attempts. Um, HB had seven. So, yeah, man, Kev, Kev just being a great teammate, um, cheering us on. And he, he know his night might come tomorrow or, or the next game. So uh, we, don't, we don't worry about that. Keegan, you brought up sharing the basketball a little bit earlier. Um, you've had nights where you've taken single-digit shots. Tonight you're in double digits. HB and Kevin only take single digits. With so many weapons on this team, how important is it for guys to be willing to not shoot as much to allow others to, to have their nights? It changes a lot, um, and it shows how deep of a team we are. Um, just guys being able to step up in different situations and guys being willing to accept that um, depending on the game, depending on how the game's going. So a lot of unselfishness on our team, and I think that's what makes a good team and a good culture. Like kind of building off of the assists, sharing shots as well. I mean, Har uh, Harrison only have seven shots, Kevin six, and I know other guys, Keegan will have nights where he's in single digits. With so many weapons offensively on this team, how important is it to have guys that are bought into some nights? You're just going to have to sacrifice your shot to let others have theirs. Uh, it's, it's huge, and, you know, that's why, you know, our slogan is all in. You, you know, we have it up on the wall. Everybody signed it. Sometimes you may play five minutes one night. Sometimes you may play 25 minutes. Sometimes you may play 35 minutes. And it, it, as long as we're trying to do it the right way and, and together, uh, especially if we get the win, you know, you like to have guys that are upset because you should want to play. You should want more shots. But at the end of the day, you know, your teammates got opportunities and everybody stepped up and took advantage of whatever opportunity was given to them. And so you feel good about it. And that's what makes our group special. We got a lot of guys that uh, are, are bought in or all in and a lot of guys that are connected and that are trying to play the right way. So we, we have to have that. It has to be a, a group effort uh, from, from our guys uh, because, you know, you, you look at some other teams and some other teams have three or four Hall of Famers and they're Hall of Famers because they can score, they can go get it. And we don't have that right now. Nobody's display, displayed that. Obviously, Fox has and, and Domus has to a certain degree. And so that means that we have to do it as a group effort because it's hard to put it on one guy like Foxy night in and night out to go get 30. 
Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Sac Yard Community Tap House, a local sponsor here in downtown Sacramento. An excellent place for you to watch Kings games, whether they're at home and you just didn't get tickets that night or wanted to take it easy and just have a, maybe a little bit of a cheaper beer, right, and enjoy some Kings community. You can always check out Kings home games, have a great view of the beam in downtown Sacramento from the Sac Yard Community Tap House, and then, of course, when the Kings are on the road, like tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Clippers, head on down to Sac Yard Community Tap House. I promise you, community, that's in their name for a reason. You'll find a great community of Kings fans on game nights. And, of course, Sac Yard is so ingrained in Sacramento's community, and whether it's sporting events or just different awesome uh, fundraisers and things uh, that the community puts on, Sac Yard is a part of that. They are deeply ingrained in Sacramento's community and culture. And those of you who know uh, about how important the community in Sacramento is understand how important that is uh, to or for a business to be that way. Sac Yard, awesome place to go year-round. Their outdoor patio is perfect. Even during the wintertime, they have their fire pits out there to keep you toasty. They have TV out there for you to watch the game. Of course, they have unbelievable selection uh, of different uh, uh, beers on tap for you to try. And also, they have uh, different uh, local wines for you to, to give a uh, try as well. It's a great place to bring your family. It's not like a, a busy and aggressive bar scene. They have an outdoor area for uh, long lawn games like uh, like a gigantic Connect Four and Cornhole for you to, to bring your kids and even bring your pets. They encourage that as well. Check out Sackyard Community Tap House, your official home of of the Locked on Kings listener. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Prize Picks. It wasn't my best night on Prize Picks tonight. It was not a winner, but it's always easier for me to take that loss when the Sacramento Kings are victorious. What is Prize Picks? It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And the way it works is you pick a more or less than a Prize Picks projection on between two to six players, right? And you can pick anything from like combination of points, assists, and rebounds. Like that number might have been like 34 and a half for DeMontis Sabonis tonight. Well, I think you reached that number, right? You could do it just points for Fox or a combined points for De'Aaron Fox and Mikel Bridges which I did tonight. You could do, like certain amount of free throws. They have so many different ways for you to play. And here's the best part. It's just you versus those prize picks projections. You're not taking on uh, other fans like yourself who are just doing it as a hobby. And you're certainly not taking on those pros and those sharks out there who make a living off of what you're just doing for fun. Prize picks also has an unbelievable like insurance policy in place to where uh, if a, a player gets hurt in the first half, they are essentially a push or a wash pen, uh, prize picks will not penalize you for a player getting hurt so they're not able to, to meet uh, those number totals that uh, that you were expecting if they had played the entire game. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's talk about some individual performances here, and I have to talk about Keegan Murray. It was so great to see a, a bit of a breakout game for Keegan, right? He's not only been dealing with the lower back injuries over the past uh, handful of weeks, he's been dealing with overall just poor shooting to start this season. He's been shooting around 30% from three-point range, which is a stiff decline, a significant decline from how well he was shooting his rookie year last year. Of course, the Kings are asking him to do a lot more, not just scoring the basketball on all three levels, 
but also as a defender. The Kings are looking to Keegan Murray as one of the top, if not the top defender on this Kings team. And tonight, he had the main assignment of handling uh, Bridges. And overall, he did a solid job. And in addition to that, he let it rain from three-point range, went 4 of 4 from deep, overall was second on the team in scoring with 24 points, shot 9 of 13 from the field. Now, what I love about this stat line from Keegan and watching this game is he went a perfect 4 of 4 from three, like I mentioned, he didn't have a three-pointer by halftime, but that doesn't mean he was scoreless or only had one or two points at halftime. Keegan established himself with his mid-range game. He was making the right reads. He was taking uh, mid-range jumpers. He was looking to uh, attack the basket. He's been more aggressive over the last handful of games in isolation opportunities. If he's recognizing mismatches or he's not afraid to wave his teammates off and try and get a clear out, that step back, uh, one foot or back foot mid-range jumper that he's been working on. It's like a turnaround mid-range jumper. You can tell that's something that he was working on this offseason with De'Aaron Fox. He's hit that at a pretty light, uh, a solid clip over the past couple of games. That's turning into a, a, an elite weapon for him. He wasn't afraid to attack the basket, made some great off-ball cuts, and of course, DeMondis Sabonis and Malik Monk and his other teammates found him on those cuts. Keegan got himself going on the inside tonight, and then he hit three straight uh, or not three straight, but he hit three three-pointers in the third quarter and added a fourth, I think, early fourth quarter to have that perfect 4-4 four four in the second half. But I love the fact that he established his, his mid-range game first. And he and Malik Monk were, I think, essential in the quick two-play stretch that really won this game for the Kings. And I'll get to that in a second because I want to talk about Malik Monk and his game. Malik was questionable tonight uh, with an illness, or we weren't sure if he was going to play. Well, we found out just before game time he was available, and whether it was the Jordan, his version of the Jordan flu game or whatever it was, he looked certainly fine to me. He had 21 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 4 of 7 from three-point range, also led the team with 9 assists. Actually, he might have been, yeah, he was tied with Sabonis uh, with 9 assists. So that stretch that I was talking about, in the third quarter, the Kings were, I, I think they allowed the, the Nets about midway through the third quarter to get to within four. And then Sacramento went on a big run capped off by, I think it was a Keon Ellis steal that led to a Malik Monk nasty one-handed tomahawk jam. And it was an awesome dunk. And he nearly showed himself up a couple of plays later or a handful of minutes later where, did you see the 360 layup that he almost nailed? Man, if he had hit that, like the place popped, the place went crazy with him just attempting it. He didn't even make it. Imagine if he had made it. I don't know if the Golden One Center, you talk about raining, I don't know if the Golden One Center roof would still be here. If there's perspiration outside, it would have been on the floor if he had uh, been able to, to knock down that layup. But Malik, I mean, he's just such a unique, incredibly creative player. He's really, truly one of a kind. And, of course, he's so essential to the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, I've been banging my head against the, uh, the, the, the same door or drum or whatever the saying is about the Kings need to make sure that they re-sign him and bring him back this offseason with how essential he is to this Kings team. But back to the stretch. So Malik has that nasty tomahawk dunk, right? The crowd is involved. The crowd's hype. I think that put the Kings up around 10 or 12 or something like that. And then... Kings get another stop. Jermonta Sabonis in transition finds Malik, who kicks it over to Keegan Murray, who rains down his third three of the quarter uh, to really pop things off for Sacramento. I think the Nets called a timeout after that and really never recovered after that point. That was a massive stretch where Sacramento retook control because I give all credit 
uh, to the Nets, like they did not go away. The Kings led from start to finish of this game. They Their largest lead was in the 20s. Let's see, it was 21. So the Kings built a pretty comfortable lead in this game. The Nets, again, I think got it down to as much as four points. They did not go away. They kept it close. McCall Bridges really got going in the second half to, to, to give the Nets a little bit of a chance. But Sacramento did a really, really good job of responding and cutting off those runs and regaining control of the game. No part bigger than that stretch that I just talked about. Malik now has four games this season where coming off the bench, he's had 20 or more points and five or more assists. Now, this is something that head coach Mike Brown pointed out after the game. He, he brought this up, and he's like, look, Malik should be at the top of consideration for sixth man of the year. And if you go on to FanDuel right now, which is, of course, a great sponsor of the Locked On Kings podcast, he's got like the fifth or sixth best odds behind players like uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Austin Reeves and Tim Hardaway Jr. And, and I get it. Like some of those guys might be more prolific. Certainly Austin Reeves is always in, in the limelight playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. But Mike was right when he pointed out there is not another sixth man of the year candidate doing what Malik does. Four games out of the 21 games that he's played, four of those games where he's coming off the bench, dropping 20 points, and dishing out five-plus assists. And it's not like, oh, it's five or six. Like, it's typically seven, eight, sometimes nine, like tonight. Hell, he's gotten into the double digits in assists at times uh, here in Sacramento. He is so essential to what the Kings do, and for that to come in off the bench when he's more than capable of playing as a starter here in Sacramento or, or really anywhere in the league, I mean, that that should weigh heavily on consideration, of course, for the sixth man of the year. I know it's very early. We still got a lot of time before we're worried about awards or anything like that, but I'm glad Mike pointed that out and had his back. Finally, let's talk about De'Aaron Fox for a second. It's amazing the man can lead the Kings in scoring. 29 points, 5 of 10 from three-point range, eight assists, and it's like, oh, yeah, yep, that's just what De'Aaron does. And, and that's not me taking it for granted, right? That's not me dismissing it. This is, this is just how damn good De'Aaron Fox is. 29 points, 50%, making five three-pointers, dishing out eight assists in addition to that. One of the best two-way players in the league with how he plays on the defensive end of the floor to boot. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, that's De'Aaron Fox. That's MVP candidate De'Aaron Fox is just what the freaking man does. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Like, again, I don't think Kings fans are taking it for granted. And I don't think, like, saying you're used to that kind of performance has more of a negative connotation than a positive connotation because it's like, okay, show me more. That's not what I mean at all. I'm just saying this, like, this is who De'Aaron Fox is. A, a guy that can not necessarily cruise because, again, there's negative connotations to cruise. It's just a guy that can put together a 29-8 and eight game and that's just what he does, right? And and De'Aaron, I mean, I've talked about this before. I'll reiterate it again. This man's knocking down threes at the rate that he's knocking down threes this season. I mean, he, he's, he's in the high 30s with the attempts. I mean, uh, the idea, if I had told you when the Kings drafted De'Aaron Fox out of Kentucky with how poor of a shooter he was in Kentucky, everybody labeled that as his biggest uh, weakness. And was he going to be able to be a, a all-star caliber point guard in the NBA and the leader of the Sacramento Kings if, if he was not able to shoot the long ball? Here he is 
where he can put up 10 threes in a game and it's not him chucking and it's not like over the top. They're in rhythm. They're good threes. He's shooting them with confidence. He's knocking down five of them. When you're guarding De'Aaron, you have to go under the screen because he's so damn fast. If you go over the screen, he's just going to beat you and get to the rim. So everybody naturally has to defend De'Aaron by going under the screen to try and cut him off. So now he's just stepping and settling into this three-point jumper that more often than not is wet. Good luck guarding De'Aaron Fox, man. I'm glad he's on our side because I would be miserable trying to figure out how to stop number five. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. The weather is getting colder, but NFL offers are heating up on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. No questions asked. Find a heavy favorite, put 5 bucks down on that. Don't worry about what you're winning from that bet because there's $150 in bonus bets for then you to go with spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, you want to take that 150 bucks and put it on Malik Monk to win six man of the year and cash in on that opportunity right now? I'm sure 150 bucks is going to pay you a nice, hefty payday on FanDuel right now. Or you can spread it out and play for longer on FanDuel. That's what they're all about. They don't want you just to go all in once, lose and or win, cash out, and never play again. They want you to have fun and enjoy the daily grind and, and, and life of sports betting, whether it's NBA, NFL, so many different sporting events for you to choose from. If you are thinking about or have been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I think this is a segment that I'm going to start doing fairly consistently after games. I'm going to call it like the under-the-rug segment, right? Especially in wins, but on all games, there are certain performances or certain aspects of a game that are brushed under the rug, right? When the Kings are putting up a franchise 25 threes, when De'Aaron Fox is doing his damn thing with 29 points, and Malik Monk is dishing out nine assists off the bench, and, uh, and everything's going on, the Kings are sharing the basketball and have 38 assists as a team, all these numbers that jump off the page that we absolutely have to talk about. But there are other aspects of this game, whether it's individual performances or just stats and numbers and eye test things that are brushed under the rug. So let's lift up that rug and pull some of this stuff out and give it the attention that it deserves. I want to talk about DeMontis Sabonis. It's amazing to me that a, a stat line like 15 points, 16 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 steals can be brushed under the rug. But I think that speaks to who DeMontis Sabonis is as a player, right? All-NBA caliber center. We know this. He won it last year. He deserved to win it last year. He's an NBA All-Star, two-time NBA All-Star. Won it for the first time with the Sacramento Kings last year. And I've spent a lot of time, whether it was in the offseason or so far this season, talking about the disrespect of DeMontis Sabonis, the things that were written about Sabonis, calling him overrated or putting him on too low of a center tier, saying he shouldn't have been an All-NBA center or whatever. Whatever they wrote about, whatever. Sabonis is not a flashy player. I know sometimes that gets him exposed or sometimes that that makes him look worse, especially like in the playoffs with what happened against Kevon Looney, right? This is who Sabonis is. And the fact that like, like you can have a center who's as good as Sabonis is, he's more than capable of being a top guy. I don't necessarily think he can be the top guy or the number one on a championship caliber team, but he's capable of being a top guy and, and, and being effective in that team being dangerous, right? But... Sabonis can put together the 15, 16, 9, and 2 stat line and do it as a support. Do it while 
kind of flowing under the radar, being brushed under the rug a little bit because he is out there to help his teammates. 15 points, you might not even notice it because of Fox's 29 and Malik Monk's flash and Keegan Murray going off for 24 points and knocking down four threes. 16 rebounds, eh, DeMondis Sabonis could get that in a half. <laughs> like, sometimes it just feels like he's a magnet to the ball. Sabonis grabbing rebounds, we just expect this. Of course, he's an excellent distributor as well. Malik Monk's assists are a lot louder than DeMondis Sabonis' assists are because of his flash and flair, but Sabonis is one of the best passers on this Kings team, and he's been so consistently over the time that he's been here in Sacramento. The, like the the term support is is a gamer term. So those of you gamers out there, you you might understand this a little bit better. But someone who is instrumental, of course, to the success of the team, someone who does their job, and when they're when everybody else is succeeding, they're doing their job correctly. And that usually means everybody else is getting the attention for what you are doing well, or you're helping facilitate that. Not only is that how Sabonis naturally is, that's he, he's willing to do that, right? He's willing to turn the keys over to De'Aaron Fox in the fourth quarter or any quarter for that matter, even if he's dominating a game. He's willing to let Monk or Murray or whoever it may be, Kevin Herter, De'Aaron, have the night, have the flair. Hell, Trey Lyles can get more attention and make more noise in his uh, 17 points off the bench than what DeMondis Sabonis gets on, a, a, on an evening. That's just who Domas is. That is something that, either national media members and, and commentators and fans outside of Sacramento either take for granted or just don't recognize because they're too busy looking at box scores, which is crazy to me that you can look at consistent DeMondis Sabonis box scores and undermine the numbers that he puts up. But Sabonis is an overall under-the-rug type player. And it's crazy to be able to say that about a player who won an All-NBA award last season. Harrison Barnes, how often... And we've been critical about Harrison Barnes here on Locked on Kings, have we not? Very recently, talking about should the Kings consider moving on from Harrison? Should the Kings consider replacing him in the starting lineup? Here is a Harrison Barnes performance tonight that I'm not expecting to get every single night, but this is near perfection from HB. And it goes under the radar, it goes under the rug, because that's just who HB is. 14 points. Five of seven from the field, three of four from three-point range, two rebounds, one assist, one block. You want those rebounds to be up? You'd love for the assists to be up as well, especially, but the rebound's the main thing that you look at that sight line and go, eh, Harrison, that could have been better. But here is Sabonis scoring 14 points, knocking down three three-pointers. Mike Brown's not drawing up plays for him. He's knocking down shots in the flow of the offense. He was knocking down corner threes left and right for Sacramento. In fact, the corner three was the Kings' best friend this evening. The Kings went 9 of 11, I believe from corner threes tonight, and those corner threes are what, uh, like the Kings aren't drawing up plays to get themselves an open corner three. That's just happening naturally in the flow of the offense when someone's attacking, and that's that spraying that Mike Brown is talking about. There's Harrison or Kevin Herter or whoever it may be in the corner, and this season they've been struggling to knock down that shot. Tonight, they were knocking it down. Harrison was a big part of that. Also, here's a just overall under-the-rug quarter for Sacramento. They held the Brooklyn Nets to just 18 points in the first quarter. Now, ultimately, that didn't matter as much because they gave up 30 points, 37 points, and 33 points in the second and third and fourth quarter. So, overall, again, defensively, not the best. Gave up 118 points. Could have been better. Gave up 50-plus percent from three-point range. Definitely could have been better. But an 18-point first quarter out of the gate to establish yourself defensively first. The Kings didn't just 
ride the three-point shot all night long and, and start chucking from the very beginning. They started off with strong defense that allowed them to get out and transition, get some of those good looks from three-pointer. That were falling early, and that momentum carried out for the remainder of the game. They established themselves on the defensive end, and you're happy to see that. So now, tomorrow, Kings, Clippers, second night of a back-to-back. This is the third second night of a back-to-back that the Kings will play this season. The first two did not go well. The Kings are 0-2 in second night of a back-to-backs. They lost both games by a combined 50 points. The first game was in New Orleans. They lost 129-93. The second one was against the Clippers, but here in Sacramento, they lost that game 131-117. So really basic math, 50 divided by 2. That's 25 points per game the Kings are losing by in back-to-back so far. Now the good news is, The Clippers don't have an advantage tomorrow. The Clippers also played tonight. They beat the Portland Trailblazers 132-127. to Let's look at the minutes breakdown for some of the top players. Paul George played 41 minutes tonight. Kawhi Leonard played 39 minutes tonight. James Harden played 37 minutes tonight. I don't know if Kawhi's going to play in a second night of a back-to-back, but ultimately those three guys playing those heavy of minutes, hopefully that will have a positive impact for the Sacramento Kings tomorrow. The Kings... Their highest uh, minutes played player was DeMontis Sabonis tonight with 34. Keegan Murray turned in 33. De'Aaron Fox played 32. Malik Monk played 28. So the Clippers, big players, ended up playing more minutes than Sacramento tomorrow. That doesn't mean that the Kings aren't still going to be tired too. And and one of the things Mike said post-game is he, he doesn't want to see them like be in any kind of lull. Like He wants to see them take the floor and stay focused and, and remain engaged. He expects there's going to be some fatigue, as we should all expect on the second night of a back-to-back. Hopefully other guys are willing to step up. But the Clippers should be feeling that way too. So we probably won't get that, like, whatever it was, 170 to one whatever, like those that ridiculous game that we got between the Kings and Clippers and Staples Center last year. Yeah, we probably won't get that this time, but who knows? You never know what happens when these two teams can play. So we'll see how Sacramento does on the second night of a back-to-back tomorrow. Of course, I will have a Locked on Kings podcast for you after that game, so I hope you will join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.